You're listening to Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Screenwriters Need to Hear This, the podcast where we're branching out. We're talking about other things, not even that are only also the screenwriters need to hear in other areas. What am I talking about, Phil? Phil, I don't know I what I'm talking about. We're talking about a lot of things. I think you've got the breadth of knowledge, and I think this is a topic that, although it may not be directly related to screenwriting, even though mm. it kind of is tangentially, I think it still applies to writers, which I think yeah. all of us are thinking about medium, just not just TV, but we're thinking of other things. So today we're talking about how do I sell the movie rights to my book? Because people ask me this question a lot uh, on social media. And, uh, you know... <sighs> Everyone writes a book, wants to write a book. And most people I ask, you know, like, whoa, well, is your book, a, is, you know, who's publishing it? And so often it's self-published, which is okay. That's fine. But it's it seems like it'd be a, a very ego-driven question. They're like, how do I, they're asking, how do I sell my book as a movie so that I can become a screenwriter and I can make a lot of money? It's That's what they're asking. How do I make a lot of money the easy way or something? Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like, no one really cares, like, what, you know what you want. If you want to sell something, you got to give the buyer what they want, which I've said over and over again. And so I think a better question is asking, what do studios look for when optioning the rights for a book? Uh, And that's, you know, that's a whole different question. And what they're looking, that way you can give them what they want. If you ask the right question, you could give the studio what they want instead of saying, how do I sell you my book? And so what they're looking for, in my experience, is they're looking for a New York Times bestseller. Uh, they're looking for a well-written book with a built-in audience. They're looking for, uh, you know, for example, um, the movie I just, the, the show I just watched, uh, Fleischman is in trouble, right? That was based on a best-selling book. Uh, and and so that's how it became a TV show. And that's how so many projects become movies are based on books, but the books were hit books. They were best-selling books. They had a built-in audience because, the studio knows that people are going to want to go see the movie when it comes out. They recognize the name of the book. They're going to want to see it. Even if it gets ruined as a movie, they're like, oh, okay, I'll go, I'll sample it at the very least. Same thing with a television show. Uh, it'll be turned into something else. Maybe, maybe it'd be better. Maybe it'd be worse, but at least people will know about it. It'll be, uh, uh, it'd be easy to market. And that's all it's about. It's about marketing. It's about money. And marketing is such a, a big battle. It's like, you know, these studios invest a lot of money into a TV show, into a movie, uh, and it's, they're not looking for the best written uh, or the, you know, they're not looking. Uh, if that were the case, it would be nonstop Shakespeare because that's free and public. It's in the public mm-hmm. domain. They can make all these. Sh- I think it's, it must be the public domain. They can make yeah, Shakespeare o- over and over. There'd be the channel running nonstop Shakespeare. The guy wrote, I don't know, something like 30 something plays. Why not just do Shakespeare all the time? It couldn't be better written uh, because it's marketability. No one wants to watch Shakespeare, unfortunately. <laughs> So it's, it's what do they want to watch? So, and I think a lot of people are going to say, yeah, but okay, you're telling me now to write a best a New York Times bestseller. That's too hard. You're damn right it's hard. I, oh, yeah. I, did you think any of it was going to be easy? Yeah, for sure. But if you can make something that has a built-in audience, and it doesn't even have to be a bestseller. It just has, it could have a huge following on social media. It could have, but it has to be easy to market. Uh, so here's what you need, in my opinion. The book has to be well-written and it has to find its audience. Mm-hmm. And you don't have control over the second part, really. You, But you do have control over the first part. You can make it well-written. Um, and so the only thing you have control over, once again, is your writing, is how good your writing is. But people don't want to focus on that. 
even though that's the only thing they have control over. They'd rather focus on how do I sell it? You know, how do I make money? How do I get on the bestsellers list? How do you I just focus on the only thing you have control over. We don't have control of the other start. And then a lot of people, of course, feel like they don't have time. And I'm inspired by the, the movie Made. I mean, it was a big, it was, it was a little bit while ago, but Stephanie Land wrote what this movie Made. And she wrote about her life, her life as a young single mother fleeing an abusive relationship. And she had to work as a maid, as a cleaning woman to get by. And so, you know, that's not fair that she had to do that. That's not fair, but she turned it into gold. <laughs> she turned her horrible experience into gold. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I think a lot of people are gonna say, well, yeah, but she had an interesting life to write about. My life is boring, that's not fair. Like, I, I, like okay, I don't know. It's not fair that she wasn't abused, that you weren't abused and she was, <laughs> you know? I don't think she saw it that way. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, but that's why I say write about, write about what you can, make it really well-written. Uh, the more personal, the more interesting it'll be. I think a lot of people think if I make it personal, I'm narrowing my audience, you know, I'm, because of my, but no, you're actually making, you're making your audience specific and you're actually, that's what's so interesting to get a glimpse in someone's life like that. Um, and then some people, of course, say, well, I'm too busy to write a New York Times bestseller. Well, that's, that's good. It's good that you're busy. You have something, in, that means you probably have an interesting life that you can write about. If you're, if you're not busy, you're boring, you're not doing anything, you have nothing to write about. So make yourself busy, take notes, and then start writing about it. Get, you know, open your mind to other opportunities and start writing about it. Put yourself as a fish out of water in whatever opportunity it is, write about it, mm -hmm. because that's always interesting. Um, yeah, that, that, that's just my advice. That's my advice. And, it, and I, and by the way, I've been involved in many projects where a studio says they'll buy the rights to the book and they'll seek writers to, Hey, do you want to develop this into a TV show or a movie or whatever? And sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes no, but there are people in development that we call it, and they're looking for books to option the rights to. That's their job. That's all they do. So you don't have to find them. They'll find you. And they find you if it has a big enough splash. If your book has made a splash, they'll come out for they'll come seeking you. So you don't have to raise your hand. They're, they're looking for you. Yeah. Uh, immediately comes to mind The Martian, right? By yeah, The Martian. Right? Was that was self-published. Series, series of blog posts. He was just publishing on a regular cadence on his website. Mm -hmm. And it generated enough attention because the storytelling was so good that it compiled it and put it out. Well, he, he compiled it as a, as a as his own book. He he self published and then it became a hit. Right? Yep, yep. Yeah. But it was a, it had a huge following on the blog. Just people were looking forward to reading this thing, and then he put it out. Well, so there's a guy who built something, and so everyone's asking for permission. How do I sell? How do I? And he wasn't asking for permission. He was just doing it. He put something good out there, and then people, you know, like fill the dreams. If you build it, they will come. He put something great out there, and people came. Now they don't always come, but if it's great, it, it, you have a higher chance of people coming than if it's if it's bad. I think we agree on that. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, uh, you know, I think it, like he was in negotiations on the contract, and it was like getting past. And Ridley Scott said he wanted to make the movie, and mm -hmm. so he was like, oh. He's like, well, I don't know if I can make it because I'm, I'm worked. He still had his job and he'd sold the rights yeah. to that because he was so still funny. grinding away, still writing, yeah. still working on other stuff. But he also has like a whole series of like shorts. And for, you know, I remember my friend Alvi, who is, uh, he's like a head of development at a 
pretty well-known company, you know, production company out here in LA now. He did a short on an Andy Weir, um, and I apologize for pronouncing your name wrong, Andy, an Andy Weir um, short story that he made free to students to make without mm-hmm. any needing permission. And it was just stuff he'd had written prior to that. Right? And then some students made it? And, no, I was just saying, like, he has a list of things, projects oh. you can just go make without having to ask him for permission. And uh, my buddy Alvi went and did this. He went and made mm-hmm. a short based on one of these projects that he'd already written. But the point is he already... It wasn't the first thing he'd written. He'd written other things. That was the thing that hit. But he had, you know, sharpened his axe, if you will, on other projects. Mm -hmm. He'd gotten so good at the craft that that's the one that hit and he became an overnight success. But he still had probably hundreds and thousands of hours of writing behind behind that book. Right. Right. It's so interesting, though, when people... Uh, you know they they really they're they're trying to break down the door to Hollywood. They're trying to how do I get through the door? And it's like, dude, there's no door, and you can open it yourself. You know, <laughs> I know this doesn't make sense, but you could just do whatever you want. Just make it, put it out there. And uh, I know you don't feel like, well, I don't have that kind of money. You could shoot everything on a on a on a shoestring budget. You don't need to you know raise a ton of money. Start small and then work your way up, like like we're talking about. And so yeah, I mean, write a book. That's a great way to do it. If you write a book and it's a bestseller, it'll they'll turn it into a movie and they'll ruin your book and you'll that'll be, that'll be yeah. fine. You'll be yeah. happy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, a couple of things that came up as you were talking about this, you know, because the question is like, how do I sell the movie rights to my book? Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is you need to have a good product that people want to buy. And this yeah. sounds oddly similar to what you talk about when we talk about how do I sell my pilot? Right. Yeah, Something so good you, you can't. It's not undeniable how good it is, and people will back up trucks full of of money for you to take yeah. it from you because they want it. But it's interesting when people say like, "They, how, how do I turn my book?" And then you, then you say, "Well, has anybody read your book?" Yeah, five people bought my book. Well, what? Like, why would you? Th- why would they want to turn it into a movie? Why would any? Because you think there's no. I mean, you understand like there's only so much money that can go around, and they're only going to make so many projects. They're going to choose the projects that are easiest to get eyeballs on they're not looking they're not looking for your you know for for a script issue there's tons of scripts in hollywood they're looking to make money yeah so you say that the one thing you have control over is the quality of your writing so let's say i write something amazing and it truly is amazing Mm -hmm. and five people are like this is great and i have no connections to hollywood and i start putting it out on tiktok and it doesn't go anywhere right was that was that worthless? Of course not. It was a, you know it's an interesting exercise and in, in growth. I mean, did you enjoy the process? If you didn't enjoy it, then you shouldn't be doing any of this. If you didn't enjoy the writing part, then forget about making money. You're not you know what's the point? Uh, but you know, and it's also and not everything, of course, lends itself to being uh, turned into a movie. It's, if it's not written in a visual way with kind of that you can imagine with scenes, it's like there's great literature that is not would it's not you can't imagine how they would turn it into a movie it would it's not easy so uh yeah. it's internal and that doesn't mean it's not beautifully written but it's also hard to how would you turn it into a movie right and, yeah and by the way if there's something which is a giant hit and they go well, they don't know how to turn it into the movie but the name is worth something they'll hire a writer and have to figure it out i mean take like even um maurice sendex where the wild things are which i sure. thought uh spike jones he directed it like i thought the his adaptation, because the book is, is whatever twenty pages long. There's not much there. It's like it's a children's right. book. So there's, 
18 lines. <laughs> There's not a lot there. How do you turn that into an hour and a half movie? And so he really developed it. I thought he did a beautiful job with it. And so you'll, they'll, you know, but that was sold because everyone knew the name. There was nothing in the book. There wasn't enough in the book to turn into a movie. No, but that was a, a very successful children's book that I remember reading when I was Yeah, young. right. It, so uh, it had a built-in audience. There's a ton of people. Who like, awards. Oh. People loved it. Yeah. I find that this kind of leads to the question of um, how do you build an audience is kind of the question that comes from this, right? Because what you're saying is you can control the quality. You can't control the built-in audience. Yeah. But my background as a marketer would dictate that that's not actually true anymore, that you can build an audience. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the world has changed. The social media has changed the game. It's changed the game so fast that I think publishers are struggling. Traditional publishers are struggling to, 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 to stay relevant because, you, you know, you don't need them anymore. You know, people yeah. can do it on their own. Yeah. All of this can be done. Um, it's a great leveler and for little money. Um, so again, and this is, it's a similar thing with, with the publishing industry. It's like, uh, they're looking for projects to buy for books that they think they can sell, not necessarily books that are, are well-written or whatever. It's like, can we make money from this? And it's a business. I understand that. You, everyone should understand that. Uh, but but you, people don't really need them anymore. That's what's that's the great thing about indie publishing and self-publishing. There's so much resources out there and you can make your own book for next to nothing and you can figure out how to market. And there are people like you who have podcasts who talk about this, about marketing and how to get your stuff out there. Yeah. Okay. So, so what we, we know is we have to, we have to come up with a good idea. We have to be able to write and execute that good idea. That's what we've talked about that plenty at nauseum on our podcast, right? Yeah. In the past, it's not the idea, it's the execution of the idea. And yeah. you don't even need a good, yeah, you didn't okay that. You don't even need a great idea. You just need a good idea. Good execution, great yeah. execution, good idea. Good idea, we'll job. yeah. Okay, so we've got those. We know that there are plenty of resources online for marketing and to learn how to grow an audience online. Mm -hmm. There are podcasts, there's YouTube videos, there's courses you can take. The end result for this question is they want to sell the movie rights to their book. And what you're saying is that's a roundabout way of being a screenwriter a roundabout yeah. way of becoming a screenwriter. And I think that this question stems from maybe 10 years ago, the big push in Hollywood was IP, 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 IP. We don't mm -hmm. want to make anything unless it has IP behind it. Probably still largely the case if you look at the number so. of adaptations that are being made. I think you did or that remakes. post. Remakes. Yeah, the They're remakes. bringing back Frasier. Why do they bring back Frasier? Because it's easy to market. That's all. Yeah. Phineas and Ferb just got 40 new episodes on oh, Disney. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so it's really like double lightning in the bottle, if you will, right? You want lightning to strike twice in a bottle this way. You not only want to become a screenwriter, but you want to sell a book to become the screenwriter of that book. Maybe, yeah. And the odds are, if you write something that good, they may not even ask you to write your book. They would give it to them, oh. right? You might get a pass as part of your deal, yeah. and that's like go-away money. They'll pay you that, and then they're going to hire yeah. Keith Goldsman or someone else to go write your book. Almost certainly. Or if, or if it's a TV show, they'll team you up with a a showrunner who knows how to turn, because it is a different skill set, who had to turn the require, how to deliver the requirements of a television show to keep the audience coming back episode after episode. So they'll probably team you up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day, it's just, it's all, it's always just writing. You gotta, you gotta write, the writing has to be good. Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my videos and you want me to email them to you for free, 
Join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos. These are for writers, actors, creative types. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you, and it's absolutely free. Just go to michaeljammon.com slash watchlist. And we've talked about how to do the good writing, right? Which is, you know, even just uh, one of our Q&A or Ask Me Any episodes, we talk about craft. It's how do you outline? How do you, what is the story? Mm -hmm. what, are the, what are the things every screenwriter, basic things screenwriters should know? We talked about a bunch of those things. Yeah. Um, do you feel like the lessons in your course on storytelling in screenwriting carry over to this? Yeah. I mean, I think... Because story, at the end of the day, story is story. It doesn't matter whether you're putting a words on the page or you're putting it on a, on a big screen or a small screen. What difference does it make? It's, it's still a story. A comedy is a funny story. A drama is a dramatic story. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's all... And even as I was doing my, 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 my personal book, uh, uh, Paper Orchestra, you know, when I... Because I'm a TV writer, I think very visually. So as I was writing the, each story in it, I'm always thinking about what is the audience imagining? What do I want them to imagine? What do I want them mm -hmm. to picture? And I don't make them picture more than necessary. Like if there's a scene in a room, I don't have to describe the wallpaper unless I think it's important that they know the wallpaper. If not, I can just put them in the room, give them an image. It's the air is stale and uh, it's dimly lit. And you know, I, could, I don't have to go overboard in describing things that they don't need to know. And then everything I write is about how do I... I really see things as a television show. And um, even after I did my show, my one-man show, I had a Q&A afterwards, and people were like, are you going to turn this into a TV show? I'm like, I don't know, may maybe, but that's not the goal. And I know if it does turn into a TV show, changes will have to be made, and I kind of don't want to compromise. But on the other hand, I wouldn't mind a big bag of money if they sold if I sold it. But um, I don't know. It's not, it's not even the intention. The intention was to do something, uh, have a creative outlet to, to express myself in a way that I hadn't, which which is interesting because as a TV writer, I don't really get to do what I want to do. I, very rarely I get to do what I want to do. I'm, I'm playing ball. I'm playing ball to get that paycheck. So uh, this was an opportunity to just write something for me. And that's why I, thought, I think it's some of my best work. But, but anyone can, you know, at anyone at home, anyone listening, you can, you can write. You can make, you don't have to, you write what you want to write. This is the wonderful opportunity. Write your book the way you want it to be written. And make make no compromises. I know a lot of screenwriters who choose prose and storytelling in novel form or book form as an outlet for creative endeavor because yeah. they're so mired in the structure and network notes and all that stuff that has to happen. I was talking to my friend Christina. She actually did a she was a guest on one of these, you know, of her podcasts here. And she knows I'm not gonna mention any names because this is all third hand, but she knew uh, a very successful a screenwriter who uh, worked on these franchise movies, big, big, big franchise movies. And he was making a ton of money and he was miserable because, you know, you're really boxed in. You're getting notes from a thousand different directions because they're protective of this franchise characters. And uh, he made a lot of money, but he was miserable. It wasn't a fun experience. And he was golden handcuffs. He had a big mm. Hollywood house and uh, it was golden handcuffs. That's all. Yeah. Golden handcuffs for everybody listening are the handcuffs. It's the shackles that bind you, but they're made in gold. So you can't walk away from, you don't want to walk away from them. You, yeah. You, you've grown accustomed to the life. You have an expensive house. Now, now you can't leave. And you're just looking at people like me making a fraction of the money and you're like, and, and you're jealous <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because I don't, I'm not miserable. 
uh, Mark Madsen is the author of the New York Times bestseller, The Subtle Art of, of Giving an F, and um, Everything is F, and he's got a bunch of bunch of that. He had a, a, an e-book. I found him through like a random Audible giveaway for a free audiobook, and then I listened mm-hmm. to his... I mean, this tangentially applies to this conversation, but we list, I got this free Audible book that he put out. Then I went to his blog, subscribed. Then when his book came out, I bought every book he ever put out because this free piece of content was mm-hmm. so valuable to me. And there's an essay in there where he talks about how it's effectively a, a story to tell you that everyone is never satisfied with where they're at. Right. Yeah. He says, you know, you're on the it's Rio de Janeiro and the guy is there with his girl, his sister and her friend wondering why can't I be over there with those guys playing um, volleyball instead of taking care of my little sister. And those mm-hmm. guys over there on volleyball are like, man, what would it be like to be that guy with those two cute girls? Right. right? And then you go to the next one and like everyone's wishing they were somewhere else doing something else with somebody else. And yeah. it's just kind of a appreciate where you're at with the process and enjoy mm-hmm. that, that part of the process. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a couple of things when we were going through this, through this. Um, I was wondering what you meant by well-written and a built-in audience. And I was like, what does that mean? I wrote, yeah, I, I think you addressed that. You said it's effectively, it's a piece of intellectual property that has a following. There are people yeah. who liked it enough that they bought it enough that they believe that they can hedge their bets. Is there anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, but I mean, honestly, and like I said, I think it's better if it's well-written, but there are, we know of plenty of, uh, movies that were not well-written books, but were trashy enough to get a following and were turned into very successful books and, and, and movies. So it's not necessarily the quality of the writing. Three franchises come to mind right now. Yeah. We can all think of, we don't have to bash them, but yeah, there's plenty. I do think it's better if it's well-written obviously, but, um, you know, there's more to get out of it, but, uh, you know. It's really about marketing. It's about selling it. So if you have a book, so what? Unless you, unless they think they can make money off of it. I think that means you have to go places you don't want to go. And you talk about the maid uh, and Stephanie Land, right? Yeah. You said that it's not fair that she had this big success. And yeah. it's also, she might think it's not fair she had to go through all that abuse, right? Yeah. It's not fair that she had an interesting life and worked as a maid and now gets to sell her, her TV rights and get her movie rights and become rich. That's not fair. Right. <laughs> she wasn't saying that when she was ducking punches. Sure. You know? But you've also mentioned on the podcast that trauma uh, trauma and challenge and the struggle you go through in your life is effectively the gold that you're going to get. Right. And we've addressed yeah. that on many podcasts. We've talked, and, and this is for whoever's trying to sell a book or write an interesting screenplay or pilot. You have to go there, you have to be willing to explore the things you don't want to look at, the emotions you're avoiding. Mm-hmm. You, yep. When you're procrastinating, it's because there's a feeling you don't want to feel. When you feel a really heightened emotion, like anger or frustration, it's because there's another emotion you don't want mm-hmm. to feel. And you're mm-hmm. using that to hide those. And yep. the work of being a writer, as I've learned from you and from just life, is you have to go there. Yeah, that's your job. You have to explore. If it makes you uncomfortable, don't become a writer then. Do something else. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, you know, someone posted, and I haven't answered this. I was going to make a video on this. So you're getting a sneak peek. But um, I guess, I don't know if this is true or not, but they, he, this person said that David Lynch said, uh, you know, the great filmmaker, that um, he won't go into therapy because he's worried it'll hurt his art. I don't know if he ever said that or not, but that's what this person said, which strikes me as a load. You know, it's like, that's just an excuse not to go into therapy and to study yourself. 
Because if you don't, if you don't understand yourself, how are you going to understand characters? How are you going to understand what those characters are yeah. doing? If you don't know what you do, what makes you tick and all your, you know, and I, I do think therapy and writing go hand in hand. And I know plenty of writers who are in therapy and it's not embarrassing. It's just like, yeah, this is what I'm doing to help me be a, you know, either be a better person, stop hurting myself or stop hurting others. All therapists have their own therapist, by the way. Because oh, they, they have them. to. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they yeah. have to sort through all that stuff they're dealing with. My yeah. brother is a family counselor, marriage and family counselor, graduated from Johns Hopkins. And um, yeah, he, he doesn't ever divulge anything specific, but the stuff he deals with on a daily basis, I have to imagine is insane. And we mm -hmm. had a pretty insane childhood. You yeah, know? right. He's doing that because he wants to help people sort through the things that we went through as kids. Mm -hmm. I'm doing that through story effectively right. and my writing took a turn when i realized oh i have to help i have to put this i have to be honest and i have to serve this story because it's meaningful and it can affect people that's why i liked tv when i was a kid that's why i liked film that's why i liked good books because it allowed me to step out of whatever problem i was in and learn lessons about it through a metaphor of story which is what storytelling is but also you may think, well, it's just my life. It's not that interesting. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, it's very easy to think my life is not interesting. It's just, I just, whatever, I had to go through it. But for other people on the outside who didn't have to go through it, it's extremely interesting. And that applies yeah. to every single person. Like, you know, uh, whatever, you were in the Air Force. You did three years in the Air Force. Uh, you know, you did it to, you know, get through, pay through college or whatever. That's not interesting. For someone who's not in the Air Force, it's very interesting. Yeah, but I didn't fly jets. I just mopped floors. Okay, it's interesting. Tell me about that, you know? Tell me what that's like to just mop floors when they're in an aircraft carrier. What's that like? Yeah. You know? Yeah, because you're dealing with your own stuff there. Um, you know, everyone has interesting stuff to tell. Yeah. David Goggins put out a new book. You're familiar with David Goggins? Uh, no. Former Navy SEAL. He wrote the book, um, Can't Hurt Me. He's got another one that just came out recently. Um, right. Former Navy SEAL, former Air Force, tried out to be Air Force Special Forces. And he was talking the story about a janitor who was at West Point cleaning up the floors. And mm -hmm. one of the students finally put together, this guy was a Medal of Honor hero. He, in mm -hmm. World War II, he like charged a machine gun nest and threw a grenade in. Mm -hmm. He's like, now that's a fascinating person. But it's also fascinating to be the guy at West Point discovering that the janitor has a Medal of Honor. It's the guy you want to be, right? Yeah. So... That stood out to me from what you just said. Um, and I'm blanking on the next thing I was going to say. So we'll, I'm sure it'll we'll come to back. me in a second. But yeah, whatever life you're living, you know, it doesn't, it's not interesting to you because you have to suffer through it every day, but it's interesting to the rest of us. So. That's what it was. And I might have mentioned this on the podcast again. And guys, I apologize. We're, we're over here in now. So my brain works in a way where I remember certain details, very specific mm -hmm. details, but I apologize. This is repetitive. But I had an interesting experience where, like, in one week, I had like three friends from high school tell me that they live vicariously with through me. Through and you. I was like, what? And I was like, in my world, it's like, well, I wake up at 4.30, I do some writing, maybe go to the gym if I feel like it, eat whatever I'm going to eat, go be a PA, get coffee right. for people, go right. home, do something, go to bed. That's my life. But to right. them, they're like, you're in Hollywood. Like, you're trying. Like, you're working with movie stars. You're doing all this stuff. And it's right. just, they want to know every detail. And it's right. just become monotonous to me because it's the same stuff. Yeah. Right. right.
but it's interesting to them, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's an interesting story to tell, even your point of view of how, even though you're not where you want to be, your perspective on Hollywood is interesting now because it's a different, it's just a different viewpoint. Sure. You know? Sure. Yeah. So to just kind of wrap it up, what I'm hearing you say in the conversation of how to sell movie rights to a book, how to sell a pilot, how to sell a screenplay, mm-hmm. just write something so good people can't deny it. And that will spread because people will want to share it with other people. Yeah, right. They'll want to share it. And so, yeah. Yeah, I, it's not it's, it's not the easy answer everyone wants to hear. Like they think, oh, is, is there a list I need to be on? Is there a competition that I need to enter? No, no, unfortunately... You know, is there a pitch fest? No, there's not a pitch fest. You know, no, yeah. it's 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 writing good. <laughs> None of that matters, and plenty of those don't go anywhere because the writing's not good still. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. No shortcuts, well, unfortunately. No shortcuts. Awesome. Well, uh, just kind of some reminders. Anything else on that before I move to kind of reminders? That's it. Reminders, Phil. Yeah. Um, if you want to tell a good story, two recommendations, and again, these are my recommendations to you individually. Number one, go sign up for Michael's course at michaeljamin.com slash course where he goes into detail on storytelling. And I absolutely believe it carries over, I think, and we've talked about this as well. People really like this section on personal essays that you talk about. Yeah. Because And minding your life for stories, which is a Mm -hmm. live Zoom that you did with students and kind of talked about this. And there's expanding on some of the sections in there. It'll help you learn how to make look at your life and say, what is interesting in my life? And that will help with your storytelling. Inf- infinitely and exponential. So go do that. If you're just wanting to get your toes wet in this and learn a little bit more, we talked in previous episodes about your free lesson, michaeljammer.com slash free. It's that first lesson you talk about story and what is that definition. Um, watch list, michaeljammer.com slash watch list, where you go through the top, you send the top three videos or creative inspiration pieces for the week. Just lines in your inbox. You can go watch them. Think about some things, meditate on, on them throughout the week, see how you can apply them in your life. And then uh, a paper orchestra, which you're not touring yet, but you will be I'll soon be, at michaeljammer.com slash upcoming, mm-hmm. where you can go get on the list uh, to let Michael know you want to be in this town. I had the pleasure of seeing this in December on my birthday, and yeah. I was deeply moved by one of the stories you told, and I've talked about that as well. But uh, I still think about that story, and it has impacted the way I act with my children and my wife. Yeah and every part of my life. And so, Michael, thank you again for that. But it's absolutely worth it. So if you're interested in Michael's writing or the upcoming tours, go sign up for that. Michael, anything you want to add to that? That's it. Thank you all. Thank you all. Yes, stay tuned. We have more guests coming up on the podcast and uh, more information. Yeah. Great. That's it. Michael, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Keep writing. Keep writing. This has been an episode of Screenwriters Need to Hear This with Michael Jamin and Phil Hudson. If you'd like to support this podcast, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing this podcast with someone who needs to hear today's subject. For free daily screenwriting tips, follow Michael on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Michael Jammin Writer. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Phil A. Hudson. This episode was produced by Phil Hudson and edited by Dallas Crane. Until next time, keep writing.